Hello and welcome to Life Learnings. I'm Barry Harker and my guest today is Bill Ackland. Bill has written a paraphrase of the Bible called The Gift. Bill's retirement was the catalyst for undertaking this ambitious project. In today's program, I'll be talking with Bill about The Gift and what he has learned from completing this major writing project. After the break, I'll be talking with Bill about his life and spiritual experience. Welcome, Bill. Thank you so much, Barry, for having me today. It's great to have you here, and I'm really looking forward to talking about this project that you've completed. But before we do that, the gift is a wonderful achievement, but it might never have happened if a car crash in March 1962, in which you and your wife Barbara and your young son were involved, had turned out differently. Tell me what happened. Well, Barry, at the time we were living in Warburton, Victoria, and on this particular Sunday, we had decided to go down the road a little and get some fruit and vegetables, uh, which we did. And then before we headed home, I suggested to Barbara maybe she could get a little more, bit more driving practice in. So she took the wheel of our MG Magnet and off we headed for home. Shortly after, we had to negotiate a, a downward sloping hill which had been re-graveled. Uh, Barbara hadn't met this situation before and as the car picked up speed, uh, we had an accident. Basically, uh, she touched the brakes and we went into the bank and the car turned over several times. Before uh, we did actually hit the bank, when I realised something serious was about to happen, I only had time to call out to God Please, Lord, save us. The next thing we knew, we were all out of the car. I had uh, our three-month-old little baby boy uh, in my arms in the passenger seat while Barbara was driving. And uh, when Barbara and I had uh, picked ourselves up, we realised we didn't have Darren. Where was he? So we hunted around in the, in the scrub and found him lying face down right next to one of the back wheels. The car had landed on its wheels. And uh, we realised at that moment when you picked him up and found him fairly well intact, except crying as only a baby can cry, that he, he was well. He wasn't damaged in any way. And so we know that God heard that very short prayer, that urgent prayer, and that he saved us in that accident. And you were both thrown out through the driver's window, I think, weren't you? Through the driver's door, yes. Uh, and it was in the era before seat belts. And uh, as we all went out, I just lost the grip of our baby. And uh, that's when, as soon as we picked ourselves up, realised we were intact, that's when we hurried around the car to find our little fellow. Mm. Yeah, it's a story of God's deliverance. Bill, would you read a passage from the gift that you're particularly fond of and tell me why it's important to you? Well, I'd like to read a passage which is very well known to many people and it's commonly known as the Shepherd Psalm. But I've called it the Shepherd and the Host because the last two verses indicate there's a host there looking after us. Psalm 23. I am like a sheep, and the Lord is my shepherd. 
he will always take care of me. When it is time for me to rest, he provides a bed of tender grass. And when I need to drink, his still waters do not frighten me. My shepherd cheers me when I am downcast and leads me along the right path where I can honour him. Sometimes I enter a valley where death stalks me, but with my shepherd near I do not fear, for his strong arm and shepherd's rod protect and care for me. He is my kind host, setting a table of good things for me, even when my enemies are near. I am consecrated to him as he anoints my head with oil. My cup of joy overflows. I do not doubt that he shall bless me with goodness and mercy and shall grant me life here in this world and a place forever in his heavenly home. Bill, why did you choose that one? Well, I feel that because it is well known, um, it may be a good illustration of just how a paraphrase can be done of, of a passage of Scripture. And it's a very encouraging passage, so much contained in just a few words. And this is why I guess it's been such a popular passage of Scripture for Christians right down through the centuries. And what does it mean to you personally? Well, as we've just recounted the accident we had, uh, that was just one occasion only when we knew the Lord had been with us and cared for us. But as you go through life and uh, quite a few decades later, you realise in so many occasions that God has been with us. He truly is my shepherd. A personal interpretive paraphrase of the Bible is a marvellous achievement, really. It must have been immensely satisfying to complete. Tell me what the gift means to you. Well, it is something I would not exchange for anything if, if it could be exchanged. Uh, it's probably the most wonderful thing I've done in my life by way of uh, something to be done. Of course, giving my life to God is, is the most important thing. And uh, finding my dear wife is right up there. But um, having spent several years uh, working through the process of writing the gift, uh, it's a means of coming very close to God's Word and what it means. And uh, the wonderful thing about uh, the Bible is how patient and merciful God was with his ancient people, how he laboured with them for so long to keep them on his side. Tell me the story of the gift. How did it come to be? Well, on March 10, uh, 2012, I was reading through uh, a church paper called Adventist World and came across an article about a specialist uh, farmer in Korea by the name of Nam Yong Han, who had done something quite wonderful. He had uh, visited also uh, around several Asian countries telling them about his uh, farming methods. But in his later years, he had written out the Bible by hand in the Korean script six times and once in Chinese. I thought that was quite an amazing thing to do, very wonderful. And uh, it, it immediately prompted me to think, well, what could I do like my Korean brother? I realised that I probably wouldn't be able to write out the Bible by hand even once, but maybe, just maybe, God would help me to write a paraphrase. Uh, 
And so on March 19, just nine days later, on the Monday morning, I commenced to write. What was your motivation? Well, I regarded this as a personal devotional exercise, never having any thoughts of having it published. But uh, as time went on, I thought, well, I don't want this to just sit in my computer forever. Maybe I could have it printed and share it with folks. Initially, I was just going to do a few copies for family, but uh, as the interest uh, became known by other people, I thought, well, I shall print a few more copies. How did you, how did you actually approach the task? I mean, I'm just looking at the gift now. It's a, it's a massive, it's a massive book. Um, how did you approach it? Did you systematically do it? Did you just start writing? Did you start at the beginning of Genesis and start working through? Or did you start in parts of the Bible that were most familiar to you? No, I started at the beginning. And uh, I think I might have, uh, on the first week or two, might have uh, commenced writing about mid-morning. But I soon found out that that was, for me, not the ideal time. So I commenced writing at soon after five o'clock in the morning, each morning, for most days of the week. And I found that just suited me better. Um, my mind was sharper, I guess, and uh, my typing didn't go off too much. Uh, so that was... Uh, and I was just content to do several hours every morning for most days of the week, and um, which reduced to about one and a half pages of the gift once it had been proofread and uh, sorted out a little. Uh, so that's basically what I accomplished each day, a page and a half a day. Did you do any preparation prior to writing or was this just simply reading the text and putting it in your own words? Well, I had a lifelong knowledge of the Bible, of course, uh, but yes, I just sat down and read what the Bible said and uh just interpreted it in my words. So you didn't uh, consult other commentaries or re well, other resources? Well, as I went along, of course, I certainly did because um, for a layman, this, this was a challenge, I might say, but uh, it was helpful to read what various uh, versions said about a text and also where there was particularly knotty passages to consult a, a uh, Bible commentary. Hmm. It's um, a book that has some difficult passages in it. Now, you call them knotty passages. Um, how much of the Bible did you consider to, to be knotty and how much was it really clear? Well, most of it was clear, of course, but there were some uh, individual texts or several texts together that presented a challenge. But uh, as I look forward to uh, some of the passages, particularly in the New Testament or the Later Testament, of, as I've called it, for instance, the book of Romans, the book of Revelation, I just wondered how, when I got to that point, how I would uh, deal with it. But with God's help, um, he enabled me to work my way through that. I might just say, Barry, at this point, that I never commenced typing at all, ever, without asking for the Holy Spirit's guidance. Mm. And I believe it was he who took me through and carried me through this process. And that's a good principle for studying the Bible too, isn't it? To make sure that you ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in your study. 
so that you don't arrive at the wrong conclusions. What sorts of difficulties did you come across, Bill? Oh. In, in the process, I mean, you're retired, so you can decide your schedule. Um, you're getting up early in the morning and writing. Um, were there any difficulties that you confronted apart from the writing process and getting through this project? Well, if there was something urgent uh, I had to do, of course, that, that would had to be done. Um, I have taken upon myself other things that I do, but I pretty much allocated those first several hours of each morning to, to this uh, role of, of writing. And uh, my wife was very considerate, realised that that was what I was doing, and she worked around that too. Uh, so uh, there was always the rest of the day, Barry, for, for doing other things. Bill, are you a natural writer? Is this something that comes naturally to you? Did you enjoy that process, or was it a difficult thing for you to write? Well, I've always had an interest in words and writing, uh, but if you were to uh, have asked me several years ago, before this writing took place, well, Bill, why don't you write a paraphrase of the Bible? Uh, that had never occurred to me until uh, that article I read, as I mentioned, about uh, the farmer in Korea writing out the Bible by hand. Uh, I, I guess it was the inspiration of that thought that uh, prompted me to, to decide that I would like to do this. And I'm so glad I did because, as I said before, it's uh, one of the best things I've ever done. That uh, farmer in Korea was inspirational to you. Hmm. I wonder if you've been an inspiration to others by completing this project. Do you know of anyone else who's been inspired to get involved in doing this? Well, uh, I don't know anyone that's done the same thing just because I have, but I, I would love them to do that because it's, it's one of the best spiritual experiences you can have keeping you so closely in touch with God's Word. I have had several uh, positive comments from folk who've purchased my book. Um, one doctor friend of mine couldn't uh, stop saying, this is amazing, this is amazing, his wife too. And uh, I don't know whether the amazing thing to them was that I had actually done this or as they were working their way through uh, reading the, the various passages. But uh, yes, a number of folk have... Uh, enjoyed and have expressed the fact that uh, to them it's a, it's a very easy read, uh, a very smooth reading process. You were trying to make it, uh, you were trying to put it in your words, weren't you? Did you have trouble disengaging at the end of a session, for example, would you get so totally involved in what you were doing that you would uh, go on for an extra half hour or an hour and you, did your wife have to come and pull you away from the project? I basically stopped, uh, not at a rigid time, but when I felt uh, my, especially my typing abilities were going off. So, uh, but I always used to manage to, to accomplish several hours every morning uh, for most days of the week. Bill, what were the joys that you got out of doing this? You've mentioned the satisfaction from doing it. Were there particular times when you were just overwhelmed with what you were writing, what you were interpreting, uh, some concept or some something that God has expressed to us. Were there particular times like that? How frequently did, that, did they come? Well, Barry, I enjoyed every morning because there was seemed to be always something 
that I uh, appreciated in a new light. Um, and it also this process also helped me to realise how deep is the Word of God. It's not like an ordinary book where you can just read and it's uh, the message is fairly superficial, but you can write, read a passage in Scripture many times and get something new out of it every time. Hmm. And uh, it's interesting to see how how the Bible in various places, places like Psalms and Job, talks about the universe, the circle of the earth, for example. And obviously the people who way back believed in a flat earth hadn't read that passage. Hmm. It's time to hear more of your work. Would you like to read a, your paraphrase of Psalm 46? Yes, Barry, I'll be happy to do that. And I think it's uh, one of your favourites, isn't it? It is. Okay. Psalm 46. It's headed, God is our refuge and conquers the nations. God is our safe haven. He gives us strength. He is always there for us in our troubles. Therefore, we will not be afraid, even though the earth is taken away or the mountains fall into the sea. Though the sea is wild and roaring, and the mountains quake with its thundering. There is a river whose life-giving water brings rejoicing to the city of God, even to the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is in that place, so it cannot be shaken. God will help that city at the turning of the morning. The nations raged and the kingdoms of this world were scattered. God spoke in thundertones and the earth melted away. But the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our hiding place. Come and see what God has done. He has wreaked havoc all over the earth. He can stop a raging battle in any place, breaking the bow and splitting the spear into pieces. He burns the chariots in unquenchable fire. Be still and be in awe, for I am God. I will be raised to the heights among the nations and be lifted up throughout the earth. The Lord of hosts is with his people. The God of Jacob is our hiding place. Hmm, beautiful. Bill, were there any particular insights that you gained through this process of writing and trying to put things into your own, into your own words? Were there any things that you saw or understood about the Bible as you were coming through doing this that you hadn't seen before? Well, um... Maybe not that I hadn't seen before, but they were were reminded to me uh, again as I worked through the passages. Um, it's a wonderful thing to see how God can use people that we might not choose for a particular role. For, in, uh, for instance, when David was chosen by God, uh, Samuel went down to his home. He wasn't there when all the sons were brought out for David for Samuel to to inspect, to see if they would be the anointed one. He was out looking after the sheep. They didn't even uh, regard him as important to bring in to be uh, inspected for that role. And many other situations God uses people of what we might call humble origins to do his work. God is not interested in us being uh, so important that we are just filled with our own importance but that he sees uh, people who can he can work through 
that will do his bidding. And uh, I think that was an interesting feature right throughout the whole scriptures. That uh, matches with the idea that the Bible was written for everyone, not just for the scholars, that it was God's communication to us. That's right. And another wonderful thing is in the classic example of, of Saul who became Paul, how uh, cruel he was when he persecuted the Christians. But then when coming face to face with Christ, his life did a, a complete turnaround and he was even more devoted and uh, zealous for God than he'd been in his previous life. And uh, this is an argument, this is an example in people's lives that uh, atheists, for example, cannot answer. They cannot understand how a person's life can be changed so radically. But we know because as Christians, uh, we realise that God has the power to do that if only we would just be willing to put our lives into his hands. If we're talking about change, I'd like to ask you, how have you changed from before you started this project to after the project? What impact has it had on your life? What has changed about your life? Well, personally, it's had a big impact. I don't know whether others can see that. <laughs> it would be up for them to judge, of course. But for weeks and months after I finished the writing, I had withdrawal pains, Barry. Yes. Uh, because I wasn't going in there to my office and sitting down and typing away and uh, just uh, washing my mind with God's word. And so that was something I had to come to grips with. I'm, given that it's uh, over a year now since I finished the writing, although that was not the end of uh, getting it to the point of uh, being able to have it printed, um, I've, I've more or less overcome that <laughs> withdrawal symptoms, but it's it's just a wonderful experience, and I would ad advise anyone who felt that they could do this to go ahead and, and write their own paraphrase. Do you know of anyone else who's been changed by this? Someone who's read it? You, you mentioned other people who'd read it before. Has anyone been changed? Has it changed their attitude, their lives in any way? Well, I would hope so. Um, I've, as I said before, I've had some, quite a few positive comments. And, uh, of course, not everyone divulges all their personal spiritual life to another person, but I'm, I'm sure it has. And my wife is, is really enjoying it as we're reading a passage through each morning before we start the day. And uh, so I can see that she is... Uh, very glad that she uh, missed my company for a few hours every morning for over two years, two years, one month and six days actually, uh, and so that she now has the results of that and she can read it as well at any time. Bill, I'd like to see what you've done with 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter of the Bible. Would you like to read that one for us? Yes, Barry, I'd be happy to. This is just a little longer than... Uh, the first passage I read, but it's, it's a beautiful passage and one very well known as well. And I've headed this passage, Faith, Hope and Love. Though I speak most eloquently in human language and in the heavenly language of angels, but have not love, I am no better than an out-of-tune trumpet or clashing cymbals that pierce the air. And though I can foretell the future, and fathom all mysteries and the deepest knowledge, and though my faith is so strong 
that I could move a mountain from here to there, but do not have love, I am no better than a moat. And though I sell all my possessions to feed the poor, and even sacrifice my life in the flames, but do this without love, I have gained nothing. For love quietly endures much and is kind. Love does not envy another's success, nor does it act just to get noticed. Love is never arrogant, does not behave in an uncouth way, is not known for its selfish ways, does not allow anger to gain the ascendancy, and keeps no account of evil. Love finds no pleasure in what is sinful, but always rejoices in what is true, endures what is hard to bear, believes a good report, hopes for a good end, and suffers, never giving up. Love shall never fail, even though prophecies may fail, and tongues may cease to have meaning, and knowledge vanishes in the air. For we know only a little of what can be known, and we prophesy only what we are told. But when perfection is fully known to us, then that which is less than perfect will have no appeal. When I was a child, I spoke as a child speaks, and in those days I thought as a child. But when I was fully grown, childish things did not interest me. In this present age, we look into a mirror that is covered with a mist, but in God's eternal world, we will see clearly. Our knowledge is incomplete now, but then we shall know, just as we are known. These three things remain, faith, hope and love, just these three, but the one we cannot do without is love. We've heard three passages now. They're very clear. You're a very, you're a very clear writer. You're expressing the, expressing the thoughts there extremely clearly in your own language. Are you going to do some other writing, Bill? I mean, uh, with, with those sorts of writing skills, have you got any other projects in mind? Well, over the time, in fact, before I attempted to write the paraphrase, I had written out uh, over some little time a series of 70 prayers of between one and two and a bit pages, uh, which I've called Prayers from the Heart. And these are on all sorts of subjects. So that is one thing I've done. And since uh, writing the paraphrase, The Gift, I've written a series of stories of lesser-known Bible characters uh, telling their own stories. And so that's been something I've been engaged in. Uh, more recently, I've decided to write a, a chronological order of the Gospels. And that is a big challenge. <laughs> But I'm nearly there, and uh, that's been a, a very interesting and, and good experience as we go through the Gospels and the life and ministry of Jesus. When you finish that, Bill, you come back and uh, we'll talk with you again, and you can read some excerpts from that as well. How can people contact you? You're, you're inviting contact from people? Well, yes, I'd be happy to, uh, to hear from people. Um, Firstly, I'll, I'll give uh, my email address, which uh, most people are able to use, and that is b-a-c-k-l-a-n-d, backland, at hi-net, which is just h-i-n-e-t dot net dot a-u. Or, of course, you can contact 
3ABN's address. Our contact details will be coming up in the, in the break shortly. So if you don't have um, internet, contact us at 3ABN and we'll make sure the informational message gets through to Bill. I understand that you're considering a second printing bill. Yes. Um, initially, I was just going to print a few copies for family, but then as other folk uh, became aware of what I was doing, they said that they would like a copy. So I ended up having just 60 copies printed, which is a small run, of course, but uh, a lot of pages because there's 1,061 pages in each copy. So um, there's a lot of paper involved. I, I was able, fortunately, to source a good quality paper, very difficult to find the right kind of paper, uh, and large Bible publishers, of course, are able to obtain paper of a very uh, fine thinness, uh, strong paper to print Bibles on. But uh, for, for someone like myself, uh, we just have to see what's available um, through the various paper merchants, and uh, I was happy to get a really good quality paper. Have you thought about uh, having uh, a printing company print the book? And distribute it more broadly. Well, I certainly have. That's a, that's a major challenge. Um, people like to take on work from a, an established author, but how does one become established if they've never written anything before? Yes. So yes, that's been a challenge, and uh, it would be wonderful if someone out there uh, took this on as a project, as a publishing project, and uh, I'm praying to this end and maybe that will happen one day. You've also thought about um, making it available through an app, but that was very expensive. Yes, I had high hopes because uh, a number of people suggested, oh, Bill, you have to uh, make this available as an app, and people are downloading all sorts of apps for uh, amazing a range of uh, uses. Uh, but when I came to find out how this was done and the, the cost, I'm afraid that was just beyond me. So maybe there is someone out there who has um, a few more dollars than I have perhaps and would like to devote some money to putting this project onto an app. That would be just a wonderful thing to do. Hmm. Well, hopefully there's someone out there who hears this and uh, is interested enough to contact you and maybe explore some possibilities. Now, we're going to listen to the last... Um, selection from your paraphrase. Romans 12 is one of my favourite chapters of the Bible and I'm really looking forward to hearing you read your paraphrase of that chapter. Thank you, Barry. Uh, yes, Romans 12 is is a wonderful chapter and the book of Romans, as I mentioned before, I thought would be a great challenge and maybe too hard for me, but God helped me to get through it. So Romans 12 in the gift reads like this. I urge you, my dear brothers, that by the kindness of God, you offer to him your bodies a living sacrifice, sacred vessels that will be acceptable to him, which is only a reasonable thing for you to do. Do not be cast in the template of this world, but instead be changed as your mind is renewed by the Holy Spirit's power that you may show to the world what is God's blessed will for you. For I am impelled to say, by the grace of God, to every one of you, that you must not let pride gain the ascendancy in your life, 
but that you should consider all things wisely. For God has enabled you to do this through the measure of faith he has given you. For just as there are many parts to our bodies, and each performs a different function, so the many members of Christ's body comprise one whole, but, as individuals, each performs their own distinct role. We have been given different gifts in harmony with the grace God has given us, so let us use them well. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesy according to the measure of faith that you have. If it is ministry of one kind or another, then use the gift of ministering. If it is teaching, then teach well. If it is your gift, if your gift is admonishing and encouraging, then do that wholeheartedly. If it is giving, do it with a largeness of heart. If it is the ability to be a leader, then be wise and consistent in your leadership. If your gift is one of kindness and compassion, do that with a smile on your face. Live as a Christian should live. Do not love with an ulterior motive. Hate evil, but wrap your arms around what is good. Be kind and caring to each other in a love that we should have between brothers and sisters and honour each other by putting another first. Do not live a lackadaisical life, but be diligent, always eager to serve the Lord. Be joyful in the hope that you have, and if troubles come your way, keep right on, not letting these discourage you in your walk with God. Constant prayer will keep you close to him. In living the Christian life, never forget the needs of your fellow believers, so develop the good habit of hospitality. When people oppose and even persecute you, pray for a blessing on them rather than a curse. Be empathetic entering into the joy of others and mix your tears with those who are sad. Live in harmony with each other. Do not be a stirrer. Do not aim to be the greatest, but make friends with humble folk. Do not be obnoxious by forcing your opinion on others. Do not have a payback mentality, meeting evil with evil. Be one who is seen to be helpful in all kinds of situations. As far as is humanly possible, live peacefully with everyone in your sphere of influence. My brothers, do not take revenge on someone who has done the wrong thing to you, but always seek to calm troubled waters. For the scripture says, Leave vengeance to me, I will make things right, says the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. In doing this, you will put burning coals of regret on his head. Do not let evil overcome you, but show a better way of doing what is good. Thank you for that, Bill. That's beautiful. That's one of the great practical chapters of the Bible, and you've just made it come alive. That's really, really wonderful. Bill, you don't only write, but you also have some other things that you do as well in your life. What are they? Well, um... I've always taken pictures on, on a camera, but when the wonderful era of the digital camera, digital photography came in, then that, that uh, really opened up a, a lot of uh, photographic accomplishments that people could do. And a lot of people that maybe had never taken a photo uh, had used this new technology. 
So I found that uh, very helpful. And um, in the prayers I wrote, I decided to uh, put some of the photos I'd taken behind as a back background to the prayers. And that has uh, proven quite popular. So you're a bit of an artist too. Well, only through the medium of a camera. Do you have a lot of verse that you've written? Uh, yes, over the years I have written some poetry, some secular type and other more spiritual religious type poetry, yes. Mm. Now you also do something almost on a day-by-day basis. What's that? Some some community service, what's that? Yes, well, when I retired I thought I'm, I'm not going to just sit down and do things that please me. Uh, I want to do something for the community. So when I came up to uh, Bondles Bay from the Southern Highlands where we had lived before, I contacted a, a local organisation called South Lakes Carers to see if they would be uh, willing to give me a role in driving people to their various medical appointments. So I've been with them for three and a half years now. They have a lot of uh, drivers looking after hundreds of people in the district, taking them here, there and everywhere. And that's very rewarding because it's very much less expensive than getting a taxi, for instance. And people enjoy company. We can have a chat and make the day go a little bit nicer for them. It's a great work, Bill. I'm Barry Harker and you're listening to Life Learnings on 3ABN Radio Network. My guest today is Bill Ackland. We've been discussing Bill's paraphrase of the Bible called The Gift. We're going to go to a break now, but when we come back, I'll be talking with Bill about his life and spiritual experience. If you have any questions or comments in relation to today's program, you can call 3ABN Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 612-4973-3456. Our email address is radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. That is radio at the number 3ABN Australia, all one word, .org.au. Our postal address is 3ABN Australia Inc., PO Box 752, Morissette, New South Wales, 2264 Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. If you've just joined us, I'm Barry Harker and you're listening to Life Learnings on 3ABN Radio Network. My guest is Bill Ackland, author of a paraphrase of the Bible called The Gift, in the first part of the program, Bill read some excerpts and we were talking about um, the gift. In this part of the program, I'll be talking with Bill about his life and spiritual experience. Bill, tell me about your early life. Well, this goes back a long way, Barry. <laughs> I'll do my best. Um, I came from a home which was a religious home in the sense that my mother uh, used to take us to church and Sunday school. She was uh, a Presbyterian, having come from staunch pre uh, Scottish Presbyterian parents. And uh, in our little town in Western Australia, uh, we used to go along to the Presbyterian church once a month because that's the only time the minister came out from Albany to Denmark. And the other Sundays of the month, we 
attended the Methodist church. And I really liked that because not only did we hear the normal Bible stories, but we had a, a little pamphlet printed um, that we could follow and keep with us, take home and, st- and study up and read for the next week. And uh, the good thing about that was that we were called scholars as as little young children. And that appealed to you, obviously. Well, I thought that was pretty wonderful, being called a scholar when some of us hadn't even been to school. So um, that was um, my spiritual background, my early spiritual background. And um, I should mention at this point that um, Seventh-day Adventism has actually inherited quite a few features of Methodism. Um, We owe the Bible study method largely to Methodists. And um, so I imagine you got a pretty good grounding in your Sunday school. Yes, and Mother was diligent in, uh, that was just the way she was, in keeping us uh, on the right track. And uh, nothing forced, of course, but we grew up with that uh, spiritual uh, flavour in our home. Now, your dad wasn't particularly religious, was he? Well, no, Dad didn't ever go to church. But it, the interesting thing was that when we took a different turn in our spiritual lives, um, it was through my father's listening to a radio program, Barry, a radio program from beamed out from Perth, Western Australia. Uh, I think it was called The Voice of Prophecy or it, it might have been the antecedent of that. And uh, Dad must have sent in for a, a book offer and that gave the office his address. And uh, a little bit later, someone from the office visited around the interests in the southwest of Western Australia. The next thing that happened that I remember, and I was only about eight or nine when this happened, um, the minister, the, a young evangelist from uh, the Albany Seventh-day Adventist Church by the name of Austin Cook, uh, decided to run some meetings in Denmark. Uh, he used the uh, a room in the RSL hall. Unfortunately, on the Friday evening, that had been used for a little social occasion. Um, but uh, the family, my family, my parents went along there, as did most of the folk who used to attend the Presbyterian church. And it so happened that at the end of the series, just about all who attended decided that they would become Seventh-day Adventists. You were how old when this happened? Yes, around about nine years of age. Mm-hmm. This is a little couple of years after the war. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there was my sister, two years older, myself and myself, and then my little brother who was born uh, right as uh, peace was declared at the end of the Second World War. Now, you went off to college. Where was that? I went to a college called Carmel College in Western Australia, just a little east of Perth. And at that time, the college offered uh, a number of courses beyond high school. And uh, you could either finish that course there or go on to do further studies uh, at uh, Avondale College or to link up to do nursing at the Sydney Sanitarium and Hospital, as it was known then, the Sydney Adventist Hospital now. You chose... Business studies. Why did you choose business? Well, uh, I guess on the the courses that were offered, that one appealed to me the most, and uh, that was a two-year course. 
at the end of which um, I was offered a position in Melbourne. Now, you were baptised while you were at Carmel College, weren't you? Yes, I was. Uh, the interesting thing is that our local church pastor in Denmark and uh, Albany uh, had approached me about being baptised before I went to college, but knowing that I was going to go to college, uh, either rightly or wrongly, I said, oh, I'd like to be baptised at college. So I hope he wasn't offended about that. But uh, that happened in the first year I was there in November 1954. After your baptism, what was your first job? Well, uh, fortunately, the uh, the church office in Perth, uh, and at that office the secretary-treasurer was a Mr. Russell Lang, he had said to my parents, look, I'll be sure to get Bill a job. And he was, by then, he was working in Victoria. And so I went to the office, um, part of the office that was known as the Book and Bible House, now known as the Adventist Book Centre. And that was where I started uh, my full-time work. When did you meet Barbara? Well, that was um, two years later, uh, and that was January 1958, uh, at the church's annual convention in the suburb of Nunawadding in, in Melbourne. And I was, of course, involved in the, the bookshop work, setting up the tent. It was a tent in those days, which wasn't ideal for books in the heat of a Melbourne summer. But uh, one day when Barbara came into the book tent for some mail, we had little pigeonholes there for people to collect their mail, uh, I noticed her and she turned around and looked at me. And I thought, well, uh, I'll have to find out what if Barbara goes to the early morning meeting. And I have to confess that I hadn't been to the early morning meeting up to that point. But the very next morning, I was at the early morning meeting where Barbara was. And so it's amazing what attraction can do. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. um, so how did the relationship develop? Very well, very well. Um, within a few days of the camp meeting finishing, um, having already got her address on the other side of Melbourne, uh, I was... Uh, I went to visit her at her parents' uh, home and shop. They ran a mixed business in the suburb of Princes Hill, which is just adjacent to North Carlton, just in the northern inner suburb of, suburbs of Melbourne. And so even before I saw Barbara, when I opened the, sh the door of the shop, there was Barbara's mother. So I said hello to her and uh, actually presented her with some roses I had intended to give to Barbara. <laughs> so I hope that served me well. <laughs> Sounds like it. So when did you marry? Well, um, keeping in mind, Barry, that uh, I was boarding all during this time uh, and I was glad for a home uh, to, to stay in, but having your own home is much better than boarding. Mm. So we decided to get married in March 1959 at... Uh, a well-known early Adventist church in Melbourne, the North Fitzroy Church. Okay, so so you had some children. You had two boys, I think, wasn't it? Yes, we have two sons. Uh, after working in Melbourne for three and a half years, I was posted to 
Warburton, where the church's publishing house is, the, the science publishing company, we were there for eight years and uh, I was in the office performing several roles. And it was during that time that both our sons, Darren and Nigel, now Pastor Nigel, were born in the Warburton Hospital. So one of your sons is a pastor. Yes. That must be very satisfying for you. Well, it, it, it is because, uh, rightly or wrongly, sometimes parents live out their lives through their children. Yes. Especially if they've done well, I guess. But uh, we're not indulgent. We were never indulgent parents, but try to bring them up to love and serve God. And uh, yes, uh, even as a young child, about five years of age, we remember, when someone asked Nigel, well, you know, as, as people do, what would you like to be when you grow up, Nigel? And he said he'd like to be a minister. And he never varied from that. And so it's, it's a wonderful thing to see. God must have put it in his mind from a very early age to do that. Now, you moved around a bit. Tell me about the places that you've um, lived in. Yes, well, we did move as uh, most uh, denominational employees move from time to time. I'd just like to say that regarding our eldest son, he's, he's done very well in his career. Um, worked toward a Master of Science in, at Sydney University. And interestingly, now he is managing a group of holiday apartments in, on the Gold Coast. So not, not a really scientific job, but uh, we, we are so fond of our boys. Uh, yes, after leaving Melbourne, going to Warburton, we then headed for Sydney for just two years and were posted then to Auckland, New Zealand. Now, that was an interesting experience because with our name being Ackland and living in Auckland, 99% of the time we were called Mr and Mrs Auckland. So after a while, we just didn't worry about correcting people. <laughs> so after seven years there, which was uh, a continuation of school for Darren and the starting of school for Nigel. Uh, we returned to Sydney, spending six years in Sydney and then were posted to uh, our bookshop, the Adventist Book Centre in Canberra and were there for four years and returned to Sydney to another position. And uh, then I ended my career of international service in the Greater Sydney Adventist Book Centre. Then you came up to Bonnells Bay for a period, and now you're living in a retirement village, I understand. That's right. Uh, after retirement in July 98, we stayed in the city for about a year and then decided to move to the Southern Highlands, a prime place to live in Australia. It's, it's You've just, lived in some pretty nice places. Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. The Southern Highlands is, is very special. We were there for five years. And for various reasons, we decided to move up to closer to uh, the Kurumbong area at Bonnells Bay. And that was uh, that's a lovely place, very close and right on actually to, to Lake Macquarie. And uh, after 10 years there, with uh, Barbara's somewhat indifferent health, we decided that we would uh, make the move into the uh, Adventist Retirement Village in, in Kurumbong. Sounds like you've led a, a very enjoyable, very satisfying life, um, very family-oriented. Would you like to tell us what you've learned from your life, Bill, that you think we should all know, that everyone ought to know? Well, one thing is uh, something that the Bible tells us. Do not think 
of yourself more highly than you ought. Uh, God has a position and a role for all of us. Uh, not everyone can be uh, a, the president of the division, for example, or uh, some uh, more obvious uh, uh, posting that uh, people are aware of you wherever you go. But it takes uh, all the parts of the body to make a f perfectly functioning body. And so all of those who are fulfilling uh, other roles can still have the, the knowledge that God is leading and working through us and uh, that his whole mission of spreading the word around the world is accomplished through many people and in different roles. Are you saying then that we ought to be satisfied with whatever God hands out to us in this life? Most definitely, because uh, God knows what is best for us. Sometimes we might have grand ideas which may, we may not be equal to. That sounds um, like pretty sound advice, actually. Would you like to give us your favourite text in the Bible from your paraphrase? Yes, Barry. Uh, I'd like to refer to a passage in the book of Luke. And this has stayed with me for a very long time, since March 1953, actually, when the then president of our church in Australasia, Pastor F.A. Moat, visited our little church in in Western Australia and this was his key text because he could see that we were just a small group and uh, so he presented this text and built his little talk around around it. So this is Luke 12 and verse 32 and it says Do not be fearful and troubled little flock for it is your father's delight to give you his kingdom. What do you like about that verse? Well, uh, most of us probably regard ourselves as little people in a little place. And uh, in some of the churches we've been, there's just been a small group. And as Pastor Moat could see, we were just a small group there in Western Australia. And uh, it's good to know, even though we may be in a small group or uh, maybe an unknown person even, that God knows where we are and who we are. And He, his great desire and delight is to give us his kingdom, a place in his heavenly kingdom. What does your Christianity mean to you? Well, it means everything, Barry. Um, I can't imagine being anything other than a Christian. And I just wonder how people out there in the world who do not uh, have God in their lives, how they cope uh, from week to week, not having a special day of rest, not having a day when with, that is devoted to God in worship. How do they cope year after year without having God in their lives? It's, uh, it's a bit of a mystery to me, I might say, mm. because I've always had God in my life, even as a child, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, especially given what the Word of God says about the future for this world and that God will one day remake this world and that he has an eternity for his uh, saved children. And I just want to have a part in that eternity. Bill, would you like to close out our conversation today with a prayer for our listeners? Our dear Heavenly Father, we're just so glad that we have you at the centre of our lives 
that you provide for us in so many wonderful ways, that you keep us on the right track, that you help us when things are going well and also when things are not so well. And I just pray for all those folks out there that may be having a challenge at this time. Help them to realise that you love them and that you are interested in everything about them and that you'll bring good out of bad and especially one day when Jesus comes that uh, he will make up to us all that we might have missed out in this life with an eternity with him. And that is the great goal of our lives, dear Father, to be with our Saviour. And may that happen soon, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Bill, it's been really great talking with you today. I um, wish you well. and I wish you and Barbara well and Barbara with her health. Um, thank you on behalf of the community for the work that you do the caring work that you do and the other carers and uh, I look forward to interviewing you again when you've got that harmony of the Gospels completed. So you come and talk to me and we'll make sure that we talk, we talk about that as well. Thanks so much for coming in today, it's been a real blessing to me. I'm Barry Harker and this is Life Learnings. I've been talking with Bill Ackland about his paraphrase of the Bible, The Gift. Remember to tune in again next time as I speak with another fascinating guest on Life Learnings. Until then, bye for now and God bless you and keep you. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.